three points. Three points and a, a conclusion slash summary of the three points. So point number one, don't be a tourist. When it comes to crime, don't be a tourist. Leave the crime to the criminals. They've been practicing crime their whole lives. They're pretty good at it. They might actually get away with it for a while, but you are not going to get away with it. The one time that you try and forge some initials or a signature, the one time that you might try and create a document, and this isn't just for brokers or agents. Clients could be listening to this because that's actually often the root of the forged document that a broker or agent winds up presenting to a lender. It isn't the broker or lender, or the broker themselves or the mortgage agent that did anything. It's actually the client a lot of the time. And you know, the, the broker or the agent is unlikely to risk their entire livelihood for the sake of one file. This makes no sense. Clients, however, are much, much more motivated because it's their home. Uh, it's them trying to get a new home. It's them trying to hang on to a home. Uh, so, you know, the broker and the agent has to be a bit of a detective, absolutely, and, and do what they can to try and filter out documents. But as I say, whether you're the client, whether you're the broker or the agent, just don't do it because you're a tourist. This is like a one-time thing. And, you know, things you do one time, you pretty much suck at, like me and the Macarena, like just... You don't want to see that, and nobody wants to see your forged documents. So that's point number one. Do not be a tourist when it comes to crime. Now, I'm not actually advocating anybody go full-time into crime either, just to be clear. So point number two, there's only two people who can keep a secret, and that's when one of them is, no, no, not dead. That's, that's yeah, okay, that's the old adage. But you do need to be very careful when you wind up in hot water, when you've done something and you need to come clean, you gotta figure out who you're gonna come clean to and how you're gonna come clean to them. Be very, very careful what you actually document and what you actually share and with whom you share it. Because the thing is, when you share something, you may be sharing it with somebody who has an obligation to carry on and report that. You may be sharing something, you know, if you're a mortgage agent and you make a mistake and you share that with your broker owner, your broker owner may well be obligated to share that with the lender, with the manager, the, the brokerage above them, one way or the other, because that broker, that broker owner, they have to look out for the entire team and they have to make sure that they maintain integrity and access to that lender for the entire team. So they can't put access to a lender at risk over the one thing you've done. Now, Brokers are thinking, oh, Woodhouse, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have us so our agents don't talk to us. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. You just have to be careful how you're having that conversation, i.e., is it an email? Is it verbally? Is it over the phone? Is it in person? Think about these things carefully. And you need to assume a few things in life. At this point, I think we all know this, but I'm just going to articulate it out there. Every letter we type, every keystroke, every word we speak, whether it's in person, over the phone, through Zoom, every moment in time. I mean, when I walk through my kitchen, is this camera on? I don't know, not that I'm in my kitchen, but you know, when I walk through the office, when I walk, when I walk through the kitchen and the laptop slipped open, did I leave a Zoom meeting running? Did I, actually, did I accidentally hit Facebook Live? Like, is, is, just assume that yes, you have. Assume that everything is streaming all the time. 
because that is kind of the world we live in. And not only is it being recorded, it will be shared with everybody. So you kind of have to assume that there's nobody that's going to be able to keep a secret, except that does bring me to point three. You can't sit on an error that you've made. You can't. You do need to get some kind of help. You need some kind of confidant, because if you sit on that, it will just fester. It's like the princess and the pea. I mean, you can have 80 mattresses between you and that thing, but that, that, that little tiny pea of a thing that you've done, it is going to resonate and you're going to feel it and it's going to work its way deeper and deeper into your brain. And that may not be a very healthy thing. So there's a couple obvious solutions. One might be that lifelong friend that you have some dirt on yourself, you know, mutually assured destruction. Okay, that's really not my favorite. Um, hopefully it's a lifelong friend that you've built a lot of trust with and it's mutually assured, assured success. Mutually assured success is much more appealing. But a friend in certain instances can be compelled to testify against you. So depending on what we're talking about, again, the friend is maybe not the best way to go. A therapist. Many, many times on these calls, I have suggested to, to each and every one of you that a therapist just might be the best 100, 150 bucks a month, a week, whatever it is, a day maybe for some of you, uh, that you could spend, you know, an hour unburdening your soul, talking about the struggles of, of life, work life, personal life, whatever it is. That's time well spent. That's money well spent for a lot of people. But again, a therapist can also wind up with a duty to disclose. And that also goes to what kind of accreditations they have and which province you're in. And there's a bunch of variations there, which brings us to the third and hopefully uh, an existing relationship you have in your life. A lawyer. You've probably got a lawyer. Now, they're a real estate lawyer. That's mainly what they're doing. But we're not talking about some major criminal thing here. We're talking about mistakes that you've made that you're worried about. and You need to figure out how best to navigate this situation. A lawyer cannot be compelled to testify against you. A lawyer is someone who can truly keep your secrets. Of course, you technically need to, you know, put a dollar on the desk and uh, have that retainer in place. And now you have that client attorney uh, privilege. And, and then you can commence the unburdening of your soul. So why am I sharing all this with you? Well, it all flows from not one, two, three, four, or five. I think it's actually about seven or eight different situations, varying level, varying levels of degrees of stress uh, that I'm dealing with with various brokers right now. Uh, broker uh, team leads, agents, agent and broker interactions, agent and lender interactions, broker interactions, uh, like all this different stuff because there's a lot of craziness going on out there right now for a lot of different reasons. As I, as I said at the beginning, you know, clients, it starts with clients. They're under huge pressure to write subject-free, condition-free offers. And, you know, they're getting overly creative, sadly. And so a big part of our job is now no longer just trusting what clients are telling us, but actually having to pick up the phone and call the job letter ourselves before we send that job letter to the lender. Looking at the document, do all the fonts match, do all the line, type settings line up. You know, is that line 150 income number, is that like a little bit of a different, is the size of the font slightly different? Like what's happening there? So we're having to actually vet those docs. But then we get emotionally invested with clients who through no fault of their own suddenly are in this wacky situation where the, the, the mortgage isn't going to fund without 
some special little creativity occurring and agents and brokers are finding themselves under immense pressure to bend and color outside the lines, bend the rules, color outside the lines. And you can't, you know, you can't. And that pressure of knowing that you can't do something, but knowing that also this is going to blow up for these clients, it's an immense, immense pressure. And so last week I mentioned a, a broker that I was chatting with who was having sleepless nights for a week. They were maximum stressed out. The clients are completely stressed out. The conditions have been removed. So it was firm. It's closing in 10 days. So at least it wasn't closing in two days. It was closing in 10 days. So we had a little bit of time, but you know, I, I paused and I said, okay, hang on. Like, like what's your number one thought? And their number one thought was, I don't have $500,000 to fund this client's purchase. Like, like I'm, I don't have the 500,000 to give them. So what am I going to do? I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's back up all the way. Like there, there's no circumstance where you need $500,000 to complete this purchase that I can come up with. Let, let, let's, let's unpack why that's the conclusion you've come to and take it all the way from, from the top. So do you have a signed client agreement? Yes. Is it that great big three page or five page, depending on the version you're using, beast, the letter of engagement? Yes. Okay. So you've, you've explained everything in great detail to them and you've got an out to break up with this client. They're 10 days away. If it's on them, you could eject. Now, virtually no broker is going to eject on a client in the 11th hour. We, we just, we fight tooth and nail to get this file across the finish line every single time. That's, that's just who we are. So, okay, can we color inside the lines and get this thing done? We've got 10 days. How are the clients to interact with? Oh, they're, they're lovely, they're honest, they're working hard to give me every single document they can, but they've moved the down payment money between so many different bank accounts, so many different currencies, trading accounts, and there's been these little wire transfers that have been siphoned off. So it shows $1 amount leaving the account, a slightly different amount arriving in the account. And optics wise, it just looks bad, but it's legitimate. And this is actually a second generation client. I dealt with the parents. This broker is now dealing with the child. So there's a connection there. And so I know the parents. I mean, we know who these people are. These are good people. So, so that's a big plus. Okay, so what's on the line? A $50,000 deposit, a $50,000 deposit is on the line. Okay, and again, what market are we in? In this instance, we're in a super heated major urban market. Okay, so the seller is unlikely to incur any kind of loss because if there's not a completion, the seller is almost certainly going to be able to sell the property at an even higher price given the nature of this transaction. Yeah, that, that is actually possible. So if the seller sells at a higher price and doesn't trigger problems closing on a purchase of their own. I get that these can be daisy chains and you can actually have a ripple effect where six or seven different people, uh, families, six or seven different families are impacted. But this is actually the sale of a rental property. Okay, check. We can ratchet the stress down a little further. This is an investment property that's being sold. It's not an owner-occupied residence where the people are moving to a new one and they need the money from the sale to close on their purchase. Cool. So, the sellers are unlikely to have any kind of lawsuit of their own, any kind of loss of their own to sue for. And they're probably going to sell the property for more. Now, maybe the sellers will actually be good people and they'll actually release the deposit. So maybe there's no loss to anybody. It's just the loss of the property, the loss of the file, the loss of face, the loss of face. That's a, that's a really big one. 
But again, let's stick to the hard numbers. Let's stick to the thing that's stressing you out, the idea that you're going to have to find $500,000. You don't. We've already established that. You don't have to fund the mortgage yourself. The property doesn't close. The buyer doesn't get the property. Maybe they lose their $50,000 deposit. If they sued you, given the nature of the court system right now, it would probably take about five years before that judgment would come down against you. Over the next five years, you bank $800 a month. Yeah, I know $800 a month would be a nice car to be a lot of different things, but you're in a position, this broker in, in, in particular, you've been in the business long enough, which we're going to circle back to. You're making a pretty great living. $800 a month, you could actually afford to fund your own settlement in that situation. Worst case. Now they're sort of coming down, they're calming down, they're like, yeah, I suppose I, su I suppose I could. That still really sucks, but it's better than $500,000, is not it? Yeah, 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 it is. I'm like, okay, now wait, have you ever in the many, many years you've been in the business, the many, many, many years, have you ever had an E&O, an errors and emissions insurance claim? Never, not one. It's a $5,000 deductible. Now we're down to 80 bucks a month. Like this is not the end of the world. It's a $5,000 deductible. This individual's production exceeds that gross commission per week. This is a one-week problem. This is a 10-week problem at best, financially speaking. That's the real fallout here, financially. So a line my father used to give me, and it was mainly in relation, relation to spending money, but I mean, arguably that's what's happening. Some money's being, being spent here, is it's not what something costs you. It's not what something costs you. It's how long it takes to replace that money. So look, you see people driving, you know, a million dollar Bugatti or whatever Bugatti's worth these days, whatever, a hundred thousand dollar car. Those seem to be a dime a dozen. Uh, it's not about the fact that someone spent a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars in a car. It's about how long does it take that person to replace that money? Now, if that person makes 50 grand a year and they're driving a hundred thousand dollar car, that's insane. That's like, you know, two and a half years after tax just to replace it. It makes no sense whatsoever. Somebody's making $100,000 a month and they want to buy a $100,000 car. So, you know, that's, that's their call. I mean, they, they could put some wells and villages uh, in somewhere else in the world, but, uh, you know, you buy a nice car. So you, do, you do what you got to do. The point, though, the point, though, is don't internalize all of this stress. Don't go to the worst case scenario. Back up. Look at the steps you've taken through the process calm yourself down. And you probably can't do this on your own. You need to have this conversation with somebody. Now be careful who you have it with if you think that you are culpable, if you think that you have made a mistake, if you think that, you know, the biggest mistake I see brokers making right now, agents out there, you're writing emails to clients and the realtors because the realtors pressuring you and saying they need it you're writing an email saying that your client can go firm on a property. No, they can't, not ever. And most of you are shaking your head saying, nobody's writing that email. I'm sad to say that email is being written. And worse, worse still, when a broker actually catches a purchase with conditions in it, with subjects in it, the broker, again, they wind up pressured by the client or the realtor to write an email and they write an email saying, you're good to go. You're good to remove subjects. You're good to remove conditions. Your client is never good to remove conditions. Not from your opinion. You can never write those words because the client can do 10 things, 50 things that screw up their financing.
So if you want to type a letter like that, okay, you could say, you're potentially good to remove your subjects, assuming that you do not do any of the following, not limited to, boof, and then put the list in there, right? Not limited to anything that slightly impacts your credit score, applying for more credit, taking on a car lease, taking on a boat lease, going and financing furniture, don't pay until May, we're in that zone right now, right? Where the furniture shops are putting a $10,000 charge on the client's credit bureau, but the client doesn't think the payments start until May and they're closing in April. So no problem, right? The payments start after the closing, just like the agent told us, don't take on any new debt. We're not, the debt doesn't start until May, it starts right now. But clients don't know these things and we're not with them 24 seven to explain every little nuance of this. So the reality is it's all gonna come back on you. If you've put in writing that they're good to go, you're asking for trouble because they're not good to go. But look, that's why you have E&O. I'm starting to rhyme. I know it's time to wrap it up. So there's a couple thoughts for the day. Like I say, don't be a criminal tourist. Make sure you've got some kind of confidant, ideally a lawyer. And we all have lawyers in our lives and you probably have one that you work with on a regular basis. So build a relationship with them, give them a buck, tell them your problems, tell them your woes. And uh, I'm gonna wrap it up there. Thanks so much.